Welcome to the Humble Hoof Podcast. My name is Alicia Harlov. This is a podcast for both horse owners and hoof care professionals, offering discussions into various philosophies on the health of the hoof and soundness of your horse. Please check us out on Facebook or at thehumblehoof.com. Often, one of the most difficult parts of rehab is the emotional roller coaster owners can go through as they navigate the progress and setbacks they see with their horse. It's something I dealt with, and it's something I see in so many cases. Owners are tired and worn out and want to hope, but are scared to hope that their horse can recover. When Krista Jones mentioned she would be happy to chat with me about owner mindset during rehab, I jumped at the chance. You may remember Krista. She was on the podcast last year talking about body work and dynamic balance when rehabbing lameness. She has a rehab program where she works with owners and horses, both in person in the UK and remotely around the world. Her process involves a holistic approach to the horse, addressing nutrition, assessing movement and landings, and utilizing hand walking and riding as part of rehab. Her experience and continuing education and how the mind works made me really interested in chatting with her on this topic. Uh, So my first question is obviously because you run um, an in-house rehab, but you also do remote rehab. um, How, before you take on a new client, how do you prepare owners for that rehab process mentally? In all honesty, I don't think you can. (laughs) Every horse does different things. And I think you know, I'm very frank with people. I tell them I keep it as real as possible. Um, but I think even then, particularly with the rehab horses that I work with, and I'm sure you see a lot of these, that owners have tried everything else and they're at the end of the road. And so it's very difficult for them to kind of run away from the hope that you're giving them. So. I'm always very conscious of that when I'm talking to prospective clients. <laughs> and I always do a thing at the end where I say, you know, here's my bit now where I'm going to sound like an insurance salesperson because I want you to take the next 24 hours before you make a decision. Um, because it's such an emotive process. You know, here I am giving them all the things that they want to hear that potentially their horse can be saved. And that that's a big responsibility and something that I'm very conscious of. And whilst I try and prepare them in terms of how hard it's going to be, I think the reality is very, very different. Yeah. And a lot of times, I mean, I don't know if you see this, I'm sure you do, you know, horses will come into rehab and then they'll get better, start getting better. uh, Progress will be made and then they'll have a setback. And yeah, Um, And that's so hard when the owner has their hope up and all of a sudden that first setback is like devastating. So do you have any advice for how owners can get through that or stay positive when there's a setback? Yeah, I think it's probably like anything in life at the moment. You know, we have the Instagram reality. The first thing that I would say is that it is completely and utterly normal. Every single horse that I have through the program has a setback at some stage. And that can be for a million and one different reasons. Sometimes it's down to the weather. Sometimes, you know, the horse does something stupid in the field or, 
you know, has an abscess or the thrush is particularly bad at that particular point in time or whatever. You know, I've had horses on my program having asthma attacks and, you know, tack getting stolen, you know, and that's in literally the last couple of weeks that I've had owners having to deal with that kind of stuff. And it happens and it's it's real life. And I think sometimes we get far too ingrained in the process of you know we're expecting rehab to be this upward trajectory and whilst it is you know for a lot of horses even the horses that have a load of success have blips along the way but as human beings we aren't really conditioned to see those bad things or some people just don't ever talk about them and so all we see are the people around us having the best time ever and you know getting back their horses and their lives and going out competing and other people who are having a bad time look at themselves and go well will I ever will I ever get there and that's really very tricky so I think when I work with clients on the program we do a lot of goal setting and also checking in so at the very beginning I always ask them what does a successful rehab look like and I can guarantee 10 out of 10 will say I'd just like to ride my horse again now the reality is that's not actually true. They want to get back to whatever they were doing before or what they dreamt of doing with the horse. But because of the space they're in at that very moment in time, all they can dream of is getting back on the horse. Now, usually my clients are back on board within six to eight weeks, really. And I do that probably a bit quicker than other people. For some people, they might think that's a bit soon. But for me, the horses always heal first. So that's always number one. But I think it's so important for the owners to be able, even if it's for five minutes once a week, just to have that contact back in the saddle again and keeping things moving forward at your own defined kind of pace and goals. So we change the plan and we talk about goals a lot. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of the issues that come up during rehab are not just horse related. And I had this, you know, when I've, I've spent a lot of time working on my own mindset, you know, I've been in therapy and I'm training, I've got my NLP practitioner, which I should be completed soon. So I'm now going through the process of being, you know, a proper trained NLP practitioner and mindset coach. But on that journey, you realize quite quickly that there are things from your life outside of horses that have a big impact on your horse life you know so very often people want to stay in control and you know the feeling of being out of control and not having a plan really hurts some people some people are incredibly anxious about the what ifs and they spend a lot of time focusing on well, what's going to happen if, what's going to happen if? And so there's a lot of work that I do that kind of unpicks some of that. And I'm definitely not a therapist. (laughs) If I think people need, you know, more professional help, then I will push them in that direction. But it's understanding that it's, these things just aren't siloed. They're linked into all areas of our lives. But unfortunately, with the horses, we have such an emotional connection that you end up pinning a lot of your hopes and dreams on them and unfortunately that's something that you cannot personally have any control of because they are 
their own beings and they do very stupid things sometimes. And, you know, a lot of owners have mum guilt. I was on a Facebook Live yesterday and we were talking about mum guilt. And again, probably nine out of 10 of my clients will say to me, I just feel so bad that I didn't know this before. And I think, you know, I was there. I did exactly the same. I went through the same process in my own rehab journey. But I say to them, how are you supposed to know what you didn't know? Right. But we are so intrinsically kind of programmed to beat ourselves up, to say, you know, we are not good enough. This is not good enough. We should know everything. We should be perfect. And that's not real. And so we put these unattainable standards on ourselves. And that is the bit that we need to kind of look at and reflect during rehab, which is quite deep, really. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And this is kind of just a clarification for me. What does NLP stand for? Neurolinguistic programming. So can you expand on that a little bit and what that entails? (laughs) I'm quite early in on my journey. (laughs) Um, But it's basically changing the way that your brain thinks about certain things so there are your brain makes very specific connections between good things and bad things and so I don't know if you've ever read the chimp paradox but they split the brain into your monkey or your chimp which is your emotional part of your brain and then your computer which is your logical part of your brain now what happens as human beings is we make connections about certain things And so to keep this in a rehab context, let's say you were jumping your horse and your horse went lame. And I'm using myself just as an example here. Your horse went lame. And so you connect jumping your horse with your horse going lame. That's totally subconscious. You don't really register it. You go ahead, you fix the problem and your horse is sound and you move on. And then people start asking you when you're going to jump again. And you go, no, 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 can't jump again not going to jump again, or I need to jump when X happens. And why is that? Well, because your brain is still going, your horse will break when you jump, your horse will break when you jump. And so what NLP does is reframes those kind of connections and emotional attachments and puts them in a way that removes those kind of emotional connections and pulls the logical element probably is probably the best way to explain it back in so instead of going jumping equals lame horse you go okay the one time I jumped my horse went lame but I also jumped a million times before that and my horse did not go lame so you put it into logical context if that makes sense yeah that sounds like an amazing certification to have in this kind of field you know yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a bit left field. There aren't going to be, I don't think there are going to be many people that will have it, but it's going to be, I will offer it as a totally separate part of my program later down the line. Well, at the end of the year. So yeah, it will be, I think it'll be really interesting. I feel like it's something that's really needed in the community and is something that's not really looked at. And, you know, to be honest, the horses sort of take care of themselves. You give them the program you have to adapt it slightly and, you know, but they, they crack on the horse does what it needs to do. It grows a new foot, but it's actually the legacy stuff that the owner is holding on to that you have to fix sometimes. I mean, I'm sure you've probably seen it that sometimes you can walk a horse up, the owner will walk a horse up and it is landing badly. 
um, and then someone else walks the horse up and it's landing hill first and perfect. And that is because the owner is scared. You know, it's almost, I mean, I had it. You go through a process where you don't, you can't quite believe what's happening. And I'm sure you had it too. You sort of feel in this dreamlike state when everything's going well, you're like, how can this be happening? This is too good to be true. What's going to go wrong next? And that's life. But I think we get so het up and particularly with the navicular rehab and going down the barefoot route, very often what has happened is these people have already gone through the process of hope and failure. And so their horse has gone lame, they've had the vet, the vet's diagnosed navicular or, you know, the other associated issues. And the vet goes, right, okay, we're going to do steroid injections. I'm going to change the shoeing. And the owner goes, great, okay, fine, hope. So the shoes get changed and the steroid gets injected. And sometimes the horse is okay. But there's normally a period of time that they tell you you have to wait. So you're waiting tentatively for, what, 10 days, two weeks. And either things change in a good way or they don't change at all or they get worse. And so if they change in a good way, you're back on the hope train again. And you're like, okay, 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 that's great. If they don't change at all, you're like, oh, okay, back on the train, what's next? And so then you go through something else. You may try Osphos or whatever. And so then you start the roller coaster again. So you're waiting. You're waiting for however long. I don't know how it takes, how long it takes Osphos. You wait six weeks and then it's worked or it hasn't. And so then you either hit the high or you hit the low. And so then assuming it doesn't work, boom, you've hit rock bottom again. And at that point, they say to you, nah, there's not really anything more we can do. You can probably put your horse on some butte, but, you know, that's about as, as good as it's going to get. And the vicular is degenerative. What more do you expect? And then the owner is sort of left on the ground, roughed up, and their beloved horse is, you know, not well and not happy. And that doesn't make us happy individuals either. And so then you try and find something else. So at the point where most people find the barefoot rehab they've already done that bit and so they're already actually quite vulnerable emotionally because they've been on this roller coaster and so people tend to take two routes they either come into it very matter of fact and say i understand you know this isn't a miracle cure etc etc and they are not cold is probably the wrong word but they are emotionally distancing themselves from the fact that this is the last chance for them they've tried things before it's gone okay and then it's gone bad or whatever they've got all this baggage that has come before then you have the others who enter the program in i would say a permanent state of anxiety and so they are looking for constant reassurance or everything they're looking at is telling them something is going wrong and they can't quite trust in the process and both of those are totally valid and totally understandable so what we have to do is kind of sneak them back work out why and then set very specific boundaries for them around what they need to stay safe and to stay protected and not get hurt again but also to understand why those things happen 
and how they can protect themselves and recover from that hurt, you know, if it happens. I spoke with a handful of Krista's rehab owners about their journey. The first was Maria Broomfield. She started by telling me about her horse's diagnosis. So he had side bone, um, quite severe side bone, and there were fractures to the side bone in both front feet. When he was MRI'd, he also had effusion, so swelling around the coffin joint. They suggested, obviously, butte, box rest and children injections and then steroid injections into the hoof Um, but they they never thought that he would ever come sound not even sound enough to be sort of kept in the paddock as a a pet really so their advice and my farrier's advice was to have him put down. Wow and actually how did you decide to go the rehab route? Well, luckily, I we used to breed bull terriers many years ago, and a, a lovely lady had two bull terriers off us, and she also had a horse that had navicular. And I just remember kind of pieces of her journey and how she was pretty much faced with the same decision and went through a long time of keeping him box rested when none of it kind of worked. And I just remember that she she kind of took him somewhere, had his shoes taken off, and and rehabbed him. So. I contacted her and she had actually been at Rocky Farm at the same time as Krista. So they were actually very good friends. And that's how I got in contact with Krista. So lucky. Yeah. (laughs) More than anything. Yeah. And do you have any advice for owners on how to stay positive while your horse is rehabbing? That's really, really tough. There's no way I would have got through this process without having Krista. Um, it's not just her knowledge it's I can't even describe how it feels but after I've had a call with Krista I have this weird kind of energy (laughs) don't know she's just got this way of making you feel very positive and very focused on on what you need to to do I think it's about understanding the process and understanding the ups and downs and kind of understanding why things are happening but you definitely need somebody in your camp you need somebody who probably has been through the process before that can actually keep you going I was really lucky to have several friends that were really supportive but as everybody experiences you also have a lot of negativity and it's about trying to understand why people are negative and they don't understand the journey you're on so I think it's about having the right support the right knowledge and understanding why people are negative and kind of I think if you understand it you can kind of take it out of your your thought process and actually how is your horse doing now oh he's doing great so we've we've had big ups and downs we got to a stage where we were riding five and a half hours a week and I'm going to be honest nobody's ever had me riding five and a half hours a week in the in the winter (laughs) so that's um sticking to the plans definitely got us out more we had a little bit of a, a down where his his foot growth was coming so much wider. The new growth was so much wider than the old growth. It was putting sort of odd pressure on his movement. So we kind of gave him a little bit of time off riding, did a lot of in-hand work. Um, but we're back riding again now. And next week, I think we're planned in for about three and a half hours. So, yeah, it's, it is very up and down. But we literally started in October, so it's a very, very new journey. Yeah. Well, that's great. I'm so excited for you too. And um, I look forward to hearing how he does over time. Yeah, excellent.
Right. Yeah, absolutely. And I loved one thing that you mentioned about setting goals. I think that that's such an important part of rehab. And can you give an example, maybe for owners for one goal that you might give somebody in your program that they can kind of hone in on to not get too distracted? I mean, I never set the goals for them. We do it together. So I can kind of shove them in the right direction about things to think of. But it could be something as silly as I've got a client who wants to pull her horse's tail, but she won't do that until he's ready to go and be a proper competition horse. So that is one of her goals that she wants to pull his tail. For other people, it's things like going out again or doing a dressage test or things like that. But those kind of things tend to happen later in the program. Very early on, we cover things like staying positive at the yard or the barn when you're there for the week or not overanalyzing something that is going on or staying happy and keeping the horse out for a period of time or doing a new walk with the horse and everything's happy so keeping it like really low key and almost guaranteeing that those goals are going to be achieved because then you know you're building up on things as the rehab plan goes along then you start adding in okay getting back on the horse and in in reality i know within the first few weeks whether that's going to happen again so we build that in quite early in the program and then it could be okay they've got a favorite ride that's 20 minutes long or half an hour long or an hour long or whatever and we build that into the program and then what happens is you say okay let's say we're going to say okay they want to go on a particular ride that stops at the pub halfway around then we work back and say okay well how long is that ride what do we need to do to be able to get there and so then you break the goals down into very very small chunks which they are naturally completing during the week so it becomes as the weeks go on they don't even realize how close they're getting to actually hitting the goals and it sort of sneaks up on them um but it's been designed in that way so it doesn't seem like this huge big thing that you're working towards it's just kind of accumulation of all the things that you were doing anyway just putting it in a slightly different context yeah that's great i think that's an amazing you know addition to a rehab plan because so many of us and i'm I'm guilty of this too, get so focused on, you know, the horse's feet and their movement and just hyper focus on it to the point where like our thoughts and stress and anxiety are projected, you know, onto uh, that foot or that, that movement. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Kelly Vandervoort is another rehab owner. She spoke with me about the progress she has seen with her horse throughout the process. They felt that the x-rays came up pretty good. They did find a little bit of scarring by the navicular bone. I have the x-rays, which would be consistent with like a DDFT tear or injury. I got connected with Krista. And since March 1st, I've been in her program officially. We've been meeting weekly and going over Lucy's progress. And it's so cool to see what her feet are doing. Because I was feeling very deflated in February when she was super sore in our cold snap. And I'm like, okay, this has been over a year. And I've done all these things that I feel is what's helping her. And I keep going backwards, you know. 
is how I'm feeling and her feet don't look better, you know? Right. You know, if you talk about mindset, you you start you go through these periods of feel, feeling desperate, heartbroken, deflated, <laughs> uh, frustrated, mad, angry, you know, but you just want to help your horse. And so I started following all of her things and doing her exercises and her feet are doing amazing. And it's like giving me hope finally. So it's just, it's really fun to see the transformation. And I'm happy to keep sharing my story with you so you can know how it ends. And another part of rehab, which I know I dealt with when I was first rehabbing my gelding, um, is that feeling of isolation, like feeling like, you know, you're in this alone, you're going through this alone, or nobody else really understands that difficulty or that pain of having a horse that has lameness issues. Um, do you have any advice for owners that are struggling with those kind of feelings? Yeah, I mean, I think that's very, very common. And actually, even for people who have some support, sometimes it's not the right level of support or they don't quite get it in the same way or they've been through the journey already and then you feel like you're competing with that person so finding somebody or people to share your story with is really really important now you obviously run some amazing facebook groups that are totally supportive and i've done the same you know i think it's about finding your tribe and again, it's a key part of the program. So we have something that's called the Hill First Hub. And that is a group where all of the rehabs share their journey and their stories and their highs and their lows. So then people realize that, you know, it doesn't, whilst, you know, I've been there, I've done it, I'm not in it right now. And so it's nice for them to see that everybody has the roller coaster of rehab. And whilst, the setbacks sometimes aren't even related to the rehab it happens and then it makes you feel like you're never going to get where you want to get to with your horse something is always going to get in the way so yeah finding a community of like-minded people is important and it doesn't need to be lots and lots of people if you can just find one person that you can just talk to and share you know your worries and concerns I mean I did it I've I've some of my best friends are Rockley Rehabs. And so we've got a group of four of us who, you know, went through the journey together and we're still friends now. And so that's really important to have people that you can be open and honest with and talk to. And even, if, you know, if you can't find somebody, then there are always, you know, support networks and helplines and you know if anyone ever needs support I'm more than happy to talk to anybody and I'm sure you're probably the same but it's very difficult it's very difficult and for me it was the hardest bit of rehab being so alone and I was surrounded by people who were very anti what I was doing as well and so I constantly felt like I was in a battle every day and that was horrible and it was only when I got out of that situation that I realized how bad it had actually been so I would say be brave, talk to people and don't be afraid of talking to people because I know it's a cliche, but a problem shared is a problem halved. It definitely is. And even if, I mean, something something I get some of my rehab clients to do is write a letter. So we as human beings can kind of hold on to stuff for a long time. And so that affects everything and your energy and 
your outlook on life. And so if there is something, let's say, I mean, now it's probably quite relevant, the world's starting to open up again. People are jealous because other people are going out competing their horses or, you know, they're going out and having fun and they're doing things again because for the last year people haven't been out. So people haven't been able to have that opportunity to be upset and jealous, whereas now they're starting to see it. So to feel that, and we always look at jealousy as being a very negative emotion, but actually jealousy and anger are all part of being a human being. What you don't want to happen is for those emotions to take over but if you're in that place where you're feeling a certain emotion very often it's great to just write it all down and so you can write it to a person you can write it to yourself or you can just blur things out on the page and 99% of the time you will feel so much better just for getting it out there and I journal I journal a lot when I feel like I need it I just write whatever's in my head down onto the page but if people are worried about keeping, you know, their deepest, darkest thoughts in a place where it can be found, then write a letter, rip it up or burn it. Um, because the whole point is just to get it out. You don't have to save it. You just need to get it out of your head into somewhere else. And so that's a really useful thing to do as well. Yeah, I love that idea. Another one of Krista's rehab owners, Helen Farlow, spoke with me about her journey through hoof rehab. Um, so actually, if we can start, can you just tell us your horse's diagnosis? Yeah, sure. So um, Lucy is an eight-year-old cob mare. She kind of started going, I wouldn't say lame, sort of tripping a little bit on the roads um, last year. So I had the vet out. She is bilaterally lame in front, slightly worse than the right. We did x-rays and nothing showed up on the x-rays, so she went for MRI scans. The MRI scans showed very slight um, swelling in both her coffin joints in the front, worse than the right, um, possibly some kind of pre-arthritic changes. But that was really all it was. Incidentally, I'd also had a bit of a problem with saddle fit, um, where the saddle was too narrow of her withers. So I did wonder if that was kind of contributing to the whole problem as well. And it was kind of like just a cycle that was getting worse. Yeah. And, and what did you, did you go right to rehab or did you do anything else before that? Uh, we tried some, because she was shod at the time, so we tried some remedial shoeing with heart bar shoes and also corticosteroid injections and hyaluronic acid. And she came sound for about two weeks and then I started noticing the same problems again, even with the, the shoeing and the steroid injections. That was the one I made the decision to take the shoes off. And how did you find Krista? Uh, through a friend of a friend, actually, um, I was looking into Rockley Farm, which is um, kind of like a well-known uh, rehab place. And um, a friend of mine saw on Facebook that I was having issues with um, kind of like wanting to do barefoot rehab, but re- not really knowing uh, how to go about it properly. And um, she messaged me and said a friend of hers had gone through a whole rehab with Krista and had basically saved her horse being put to sleep. So they put me in touch and um, I spoke to this friend of a friend and then I spoke to Crystal. That's great. And do you have any advice for owners who are maybe struggling to stay positive during the rehab process? Yeah, you know what, That's it's really hard and I totally get that it's hard and it's kind of like beforehand people will say to you and you'll look and you'll think, oh, you know, it's potentially only 12 weeks, only 16 weeks, that's nothing. It's like a drop in the ocean compared to how long you have your horse. But then when you actually get into it, it's kind of like, actually, this seems really long. 
But I think the important thing is to really look at the changes that are occurring and notice every little change and realize that actually that's a really big change and that every 1% change is going to add up and make a 100% change. And just to keep looking for those small changes and even the days when you have a bad day and you look back at a video of your horse walking or whatever and you think, you know what, there's been no change since last week. You can bet that there's a change somewhere else, like that their feet have changed or their attitude has changed or the way they are moving has changed. There will always be something positive to grab onto and hold onto. Yeah, that's great. And how is your horse doing now? Well, so it's all a bit complicated. So she she was doing really well and we, we got back to the nice hill first landings and I was hacking her out and walked for 40 minutes and she wasn't tripping once. Everything has been going so well. But then unfortunately, a month ago, she had a really bad asthma attack. Um, out of the blue, out of nowhere, um, emergency vet visit. And since then, we've been trying to settle down her breathing. So I've literally been able to do no work at all on her rehab until this past week when I've started walking her in hand again. Her feet reacted to the antibiotics and steroids that she was on to help with her breathing. So she kind of took a, a few steps back, pardon the pun, with her rehab. Um, so we're back to kind of in hand walking again with the view to getting back on next week and continuing. So yeah, I've had a bit of a setback, but she's doing okay. <laughs> yeah, but it's great because you also know the process and, you know, the steps to take yeah. to get her back to where she was. So. That's awesome. Exactly. And I know that it's in there now. It's like the first time I did it, I was a bit like, I don't know if she's ever going to start landing a hill first. But now that I now I know 100% that she can and she will. So it's, it's not quite so like stressful this time. <laughs> and I know this is kind of almost shifting topics a little bit, but you had mentioned how there are people that were anti, you know, what you were doing in your rehab when you were going through it. And that's something that I went through too. And I think one of the hardest things for me was you know, struggling with vets or farriers that, that you really respect and that you think are these great professionals, but they have this differing opinion of what you're doing. Um, Mm -hmm. so do you have any advice on, on what to do in those situations? Yes. And it's, (laughs) I appreciate this is totally hindsight, what I'm going to say, but I think with anybody who's got a negative opinion about you or what you're choosing to do it's very easy to get focused on that and my advice would be you've chosen the path that you're on for a reason and if it's working and the horse is happier then that's the justification that you need and sometimes you have to accept that you cannot control other people's thoughts and behaviors and it's hard that's (laughs) That's the really hard bit because you have to look and just say, okay, I don't engage with those people anymore. You know, I used to, I used to get very upset and passionate about it and wanted people to be as open-minded and understanding as I was. And the reality is that's just not true. People have different opinions and if they have a fixed opinion about something, i.e. the horse should be shod, or to be able to, you know, be a competition horse, you have to have shoes on, then you are never going to change their mind. And so to have that acceptance and say, you know what, I can't change everybody's opinion. I'm going to stick to my lane. I'm going to be who I am. I'm going to be true to myself. And that's hard. You know, that's really hard. But I think 
when I look back at the time, and it was so hard. I mean, I was crying at the yard every day because people were just being so horrible. And I was like, I just don't understand why you're being so mean. But they had their own issues. And we've got to remember that, you know, we bring our own experiences to everything. And so you and I could be in the same room and something could happen and you may be totally fine with it, but it could, for me, trigger something which I instantly have a negative association with. So there are always, you know, I keep my story with me um, and people, other people have their stories with them too, and that affects everything. That's why they say there's two sides to every story and the truth is probably somewhere in the middle because perception changes reality. But yeah, I think you just have to look at it and go, is my horse getting better? And that was the only thing that kept me going. I looked at Buddy, he was sound. And I was like, well, the things they wanted me to do didn't make him sound. He was lame and I was told to put him down. And now we're about to go out competing again. So which is the right choice? And for me, it was a no-brainer. But but that was the only thing that got me through. I think it doesn't surprise me when I see people have issues when they're rehabbing their horses and, you know, they haven't quite got the program just right and the horse is uncomfortable for whatever reason. Now, you and I know that very often it's just a tiny tweak is all it takes. But if you don't have that support and don't have that knowledge behind you, then you're surrounded by people who are telling you you're cruel. It's easy to see why people go, do you know what? It's just easier to push these back on. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely hard if you don't have that mindset starting out, which is why I think this episode can be really helpful to owners who are going through that. And I think that's actually, you know, all the main questions I had. But before we sign off, do you have any last minute advice or tips for owners who are starting their rehab journey? I would say treat rehab like you treat life. You don't expect life to be sunshine, unicorns and rainbows and glitter. It's just not like that. Sometimes if you're very lucky, rehab is good and you never have any kind of major setbacks. You just have little blips in the road. But the reality is normally, and for my clients, it's around week five, there is a blip and normally not just one. Um, So don't be disheartened, keep going, but also surround yourself with people who know what they're doing um, because it's very easy to get lost in the darkness when something's not going quite right. And it may be a tiny tweak um, to diet or movement, or it may be something in the environment that you've not picked up on. Um, But just ask for help because it will just make your life so much easier in the long run. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being willing to do this. I think that your information is even helpful for me and what I can take to my own clients. So thank you for being willing to chat with me. Total pleasure as always. Take care. Bye.